Whether you're hiking on a glacier, relaxing in a hot spring, or enjoying the music and nightlife in the big city, you can easily access all this and more on a trip to Iceland. Welcome to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herendine, and today I'm joined by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jessica Fender. She's the co-founder with Carrie Maloney of the website TravelerBroads.com and author of the Ask the Traveler column that appears in Westways and AAA Explorer magazine and online. Jessica also wrote the Red Hot Iceland article that appeared in Westways in 2021. Jessica, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be back and uh, talking about one of my favorite destinations, so even better. Well, I'm really excited to hear more about it. I've never been to Iceland, and I hear that it's super accessible, even though it seems like such an exotic destination. Tell us a little bit about it and what makes it so accessible to U.S. visitors. Yeah, you know, there. it's really hard to even know where to start on that because there are just so many. Once, you're, once you have the flight behind you, it's really... Um, easy to get around. You know, the roads are set up in such a way where you can self-drive and kind of get out and explore a little bit on your own. Um, There's, if you're landing in Reykjavik, there are attractions right there in the city. There's things, you know, just a half an hour outside of the city, or, you know, you can take a couple days and just travel the entire South Road like I did and stumble across these sort of amazing natural wonders just outside the car window. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, I know you also hiked on a glacier. I am, you know, although I'd like to be more fit or feel like I'm up for a glacier hike, I'm pretty, yeah, I could see myself falling. What was it like for you? And, and you know, was it challenging? You know, that's really funny. I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, I also like to think of myself as fit, but I'm not, you know, the most athletic or the most coordinated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was visiting Iceland, we were coming out of being locked down in our homes for a year plus. So I really, really was out of shape. And pulling up to the the foot of the glacier, I have to say, was fairly intimidating. Um, It looks so much so much taller uh when you're standing there looking up at it than it does once you actually get on but it was a pretty simple process you know we um i had a fantastic guide i would highly recommend hiring a guide to take you on a glacier hike there are some places where you can kind of walk on a glacier on your own but if you want to get any height or spend any you know any large amount of time uh, exploring, you want, really want somebody who knows what they're doing, um, helping you out. You know, there's there's gear. We had uh, crampons that, you know, we had to figure out how to strap on and mm-hmm. our little hiking sticks and helmets and, you know, but once we got up there, you don't even realize how high you're going and you just turn around and look out and you see this like dazzling white ice followed by these this impossibly green, fields and then just beyond that the the gorgeous you know steely sea that surrounds Iceland and it was breathtaking worth worth the uh worth the little physical exertion yeah so not too not too difficult then no you know I feel like that's something that I had really maybe psyched myself out on like I was it was the 
part of the trip that I was the most worried about because I really didn't know whether I could trust my sort of physical abilities or how challenging it, it would be. But, you know, I'm average fitness, mm -hmm. um, you know, average mobility. And for me, it I wanted to keep going. You know, there was no point where I was like, oh, I need to take a break. But that was also one of the benefits of having a guide with me at that point was, um, you know, he knew when it was a good time to let's everyone fill our water bottles in this, you know, glacial stream and maybe we'll go sit and have a, our little snack time over here. So we just kind of went at our own pace and it was a lot, a lot easier than I thought it would be. That's pretty amazing. Now, I, I know there are a lot of beautiful things to see there and I hear of the gorgeous waterfalls. Will you tell us what your experience was like with the waterfalls? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, if you go to Iceland and you don't see a waterfall, uh, you've probably just been driving around with your eyes closed. But they're <laughs> everywhere. It's like right off the right off the side of the road. They're basically when you're driving down the southern road, you've got the ocean out to one side of you, and you've mm -hmm. got cliffs on the other side in the distance, and all glacier formed formations. And you know at any, depending on when you're there, what time of year, you know, different waterfalls are flowing. We, the first time I went in 2016, they were such a popular destination for travelers that, um, you know, some of the more popular spots could get fairly crowded. When I went back in 2021, far fewer crowds, but still, you know, if you get a little bit off the beaten track, um, you know, we were, we were at one of the waterfalls that's among the top destinations, probably on that little stretch of a uh, road. And we took our photos, you know, we were, we got to walk behind the, the curtain of water. It was really amazing. And then just like a little bit up the walking path, uh, kind of a little bit out of the way, we stumbled onto the slot canyon, mm -hmm. which was a little bit tougher to get to. Like we had to get our feet, our boots wet. And mm -hmm. we emerged into this um, amazing skylit cavern where a waterfall was just crashing to the rocks. And we had that little, this little like hidden place all to ourselves for a couple of minutes. And it was just magical. It sounds like it. You know, I hear that there is a lot of magic in Iceland, you know, for such a technologically advanced country, very modern. Um, I hear that mythology and magic still plays a part. Will you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. You know, it. I assume that you're referring to the elves. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> right. So that is like a... a very interesting and like whimsical part of the culture there it's like um you'll you'll be out in these sort of far-flung destinations like maybe there's a farmhouse and and someone has built like a little elven house a little miniature version of that house uh for the for the elves and it's just uh you leave them flowers or food or maybe a little a little liquor to keep them happy and <laughs> Just to, it's a, it's a funny thing. I don't know how widespread it is, like if it's everyone there, but really when you stumble across one of those, it's just kind of this nice little kind of magical reminder of, uh, you know, we like, I think that there's so much in common between, you know, 
Americans and the Icelandic mm-hmm. uh, people that it's a funny, interesting little quirk of their culture to, to come across. Yeah, it sounds fun to see. Now, other cute things. I've seen, you know, photos of the Icelandic horses. Um, what are your thoughts about the the horses there? What have you heard? I knew you were going to ask about this because <laughs> I know how big of an animal lover you are. I and am. Same. Um, we... <laughs> so they're just like roaming everywhere on the side of the road. <laughs> it's amazing. They, they're a smaller breed. Um, they've got these like very dramatic shock of bangs, kind of like uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber bangs that uh-huh. like, hang over in front of their eyes. And they are, um, you know, it's like really gusty and windy. So it's like a very, you know, model moment standing in the fan sometimes <laughs> when you see these, these like beautiful creatures. Um, and, Basically, I spent at least a full day and maybe a little longer trying to figure out how to get close enough to to pet one. And I finally Mm -hmm. did. Uh, And it was everything and more. This sounds like a good place to take a break. And when we come back, we'll hear more. If you can dream the perfect international adventure, you can create it with Trip Canvas from AAA Travel, the all-in-one platform that lets you research, plan, and book the ultimate getaway. Trip Canvas. Let's go somewhere. Well, welcome back to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herondine, and uh, we're here with Jessica Fender talking about her experience in Iceland. Welcome back. Now, I heard that a lot of um, the Icelandic people speak English and it makes it really easy. Will you talk about your experience with that? Was it pretty simple? Oh, yeah. You know, um, the Icelandic language is intimidating Mm -hmm. on paper because there's a lot of, you know, interesting punctuation and consonants and things like that. But I we never once ran into an issue where we couldn't be understood or or understand the people who are talking to us. I think because so they have so many visitors and so many people coming over from Europe to work in the tourist-facing industry, uh, English is just very widely spoken. Um, I will say that I do love the sound of the Icelandic language being spoken. It just sounds like this like beautiful, kind of like musical, purring kind of sound. I, I don't know that I could actually accurately describe it. I certainly can't pronounce it, but I would recommend. Um, if you do get a chance to, to hear a little bit of the language, I would... Um, but you have to work pretty hard to do that because most people are speaking English. That sounds pretty simple, pretty easy for somebody like me, uh, for sure. Now, you know, as you're talking about it and planning a trip and the self-driving, you know, you're on an island. Is there a challenge with getting a rental car? And, you know, what would be your advice for visitors planning a trip? Yeah. So, you know, I would say that if you're going during peak season, right, so July, August, I would I would reserve early. I'd reserve a rental car early. I will say our rental car, we had zero problem getting an automatic versus I know in a lot of European countries, uh, they it's a manual transmission mm-hmm. is the default. So that was helpful. But yeah, I would recommend um, booking in advance um, because it can get busy or, you know, you could always... Uh, or you can visit during the shoulder seasons where, you know, the traffic's a little lighter, the demand's a little less. 
Um, and they also just have some really amazing things to do in the shoulder season. Uh, I know that the tourism uh, board there in Iceland has been working hard to sort of promote some of it, their shoulder season activities that, you know, a lot of people end up missing out on. Yeah. What would somebody expect during the shoulder season? Yeah. So um, my that was my first trip, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I went in late September and it was fantastic. You know, we the one thing you're dealing with is obviously because they're so um, they're so far north that mm-hmm. the days get a little short. But that also means the nights get a little longer and it is a beautiful area for um, viewing the northern lights. And that starts happening, you know, in late September, early October through November, and then for real in the winter season. So, you know, that type of, if you've ever dreamed of that, like, you know, bubble hotel or like walking out at like, you know, midnight and seeing that like gorgeous sky show overhead, that you have to give up a little daylight to do that. Yeah. So. And then also, you know, like in the fall, I know that they've got um, like certain wildlife uh, is more active and returning from other destinations. Like um, I think that it's a good time to see puffins uh, in the fall as well as in the spring. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, you know, and it it sounds especially if you want to get a rental car or probably travel more affordably. I heard Iceland can be, you know, a little costly. Um, what would somebody expect? I mean, are we paying are we paying a ton of money for just a plane, you know, maybe airport <laughs> or or maybe on the aircraft type of meal or what what is somebody expecting? Yeah. How far does the dollar go? That's right. a great um so I'll tell you, it is, it's a world of difference. The first time I went, we were living off of uh, bakery goods, basically, because yeah. you could spend 25 bucks and it would be a you know, cafeteria-quality hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they have, 2016, 2017 was kind of their aha moment in Iceland, mm-hmm. where they're like, wow, we're getting a lot of uh, visitors and we really need to invest in some of our offerings and so these days i mean you can go you can have fine dining in reykjavik you can have fine dining on the far east coast like they the quality of restaurants is has improved so much you get so much more for your dollar now um and there are i mean there's also like a very classic cheap eats kind of thing that you can do there they've got uh, these amazing hot dogs <laughs> which you know <laughs> normally isn't something that i would like recommend but it is the iconic must eat in reykjavik uh especially but you can get them all over the island okay so i've got to hear about this hot dog why is it so iconic what's different than you know the american hot dog yeah, you know, I think maybe it's just a quality thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, I know that they they use a lot of lamb in their uh, food there. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what exactly is it that makes it so special. It just the the quality of the meats, the experience of like standing out on the street eating. It, it's just a fun experience to have when you're when you're 
on the island. It's so interesting. It's not something that I would think is like a thing is the hot dog, but with lamb, it sounds really good. I like lamb, so I do that too. sounds I'm a- pretty good. Now, I heard black licorice is also a thing. And black licorice is one of those things that you either love it or you hate it. So where which camp are you from? Oh, gosh. You know, I am I am working on being a convert, I guess you would say. <laughs> but they really go overboard with the black licorice there. There's, um, gosh, I got these candies for my boyfriend. They were uh, black licorice covered in chocolate and then salted. So it's like huh. this bizarre combo. It worked. I have to say, of all of the black licorice I had while I was there, I think those were my favorite. So, you know, maybe try something new every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big black licorice fan, but I think those that, that like it really, really love it. And oh. it must be something special if you're going to go so far as to coat it in chocolate and salt it and make variations. So it's it's got to be a thing over there. Now, another thing that I heard is a thing are the hot springs. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Let's hear about it. Okay. Well, I, everybody has seen and at least seen photos of the Blue Lagoon. And mm-hmm. um, and that's a little bit outside of Reykjavik. Uh, and it's gorgeous and sprawling. And it's all volcanic water, you know, volcanic uh, heated water. Everything. Like, um, because it's an area of such... Uh, because it's an area with so much volcanic activity, uh, they have a lot of geothermal springs in general. So, you know, you can go do the sort of pamper yourself Blue Lagoon experience, but there are also a lot of just in the cities they have in the cities and in the towns they have like neighborhood hot springs that you can go visit. I did not get the opportunity to do that, but um, the impression that I get is that it's kind of like you know, going to the park, like you would go and see neighbors or, you know, people out on the street here in New Orleans or there in California, uh, there, because it's so cold and so dark, they go and they just have kind of community time in the hot springs, which I just think is a really unique uh, aspect of their culture. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. I guess that's the way if you want to get away from the crowds and hang out with locals, I guess going to one of those hot springs in the town is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like if you've got if you've got a pension for, you know, local culture, you know, you can there's a great nightlife there too. I mean, there you can go hit the bars or uh you know, there's a great art scene. Uh, but if you have it in you to go hit up a hot springs and really, really do a deep dive, I feel like that, that's the place to do it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, I hear Reykjavik nightlife is, is pretty good. I know they've got a, a music scene, a great music scene, art scene. What was your experience like? Um, so we went, we went and it was just coming back. Um, but they had just upped the hours. I think now there's uh, curfews are over and all of that, but they had just upped the curfew to 11. So everyone was very excited to be yeah. out and about on a weekend. Right. Um, you know, we we went to a place called the Big Lebowski Bar, which was just delightful. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the movie. I feel like everyone yes. Was... Okay. 
um, you know, you get your little white Russian. And that was like the it spot. I will say that the the folks who live there seem as active on a weekend as, you know, the visitors. Like it was definitely a spot where I felt like we were kind of mixing in with some of the locals. Um, and they've got like a, a beautiful uh, concert center. Oh, geez, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, but at any rate, I mean, and you know this, they've got some excellent musicians Bjork. from, yeah. yes, right. We all know Bjork and Sigaros and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that there's just a lot to offer there too. If you're, you want to invest some time and go see a show, then that's a great place to do it. That sounds really cool. I know uh, Sugar Rose is going to be here in California um, playing at the Greek Theater um, here in Southern California. And so I've already got tickets to that. I'm excited. Wishing I had tickets to Iceland. I know Iceland Air has an extend your trip program for those who are interested in stopping through. Are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, that's actually how I visited for the first time. Um, Basically, if you fly Iceland Air, you can extend your, if you fly Iceland Air from the United States to any of their other destinations, you can have a stopover in uh, the Keflavik airport, their main airport, and just extend that for, I think it's up to a week, but I'm not sure exactly the time period. Uh, So say you're on your way to Ireland, which is, where we were going. We mm-hmm. just stayed for six days in Iceland and took some time to explore the country. And because it was so easy to get around there, we really got to see a lot on a, a stay that wasn't even a week long. That is so interesting. And what a great way to visit if you already have plans to go somewhere else, to just stop over for a few days and visit for the first time. You know, getting your feet wet, so to speak, in the uh in either one of the waterfalls or the hot springs and and uh, see it for the first time. Really, really cool. Now, um, I always ask our, our guests on the show uh, these things. What are their tips for visiting? And the single most important thing visitors should remember if they're going on a trip to Iceland. Okay, that's a great question. Um, and I've been on the show before, so you would have thought <laughs> that I would have expected it. Um, I would say that, you know, the best or the biggest thing that you can remember or keep in mind when you're visiting Iceland is this is an island that is far more accessible than you probably think it is. I think that in the U.S. we've got this idea of these natural spaces being things we really have to work hard to get to, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to do a hike, it's going to be a, you know, overnight hike. If you want to get, you want to go to Yosemite, you want, you want to go to any of these sort of natural destinations here. They're the natural destinations, which is to me, their, their biggest draw, like all of that is just off the roadside and it is, it's not hard to get there at all. So I would just recommend people not limit themselves to city travel when you're there. I love Reykjavik. I love Vic. I loved all the little towns that we stopped in, but don't feel like the natural wonders of Iceland are beyond your reach because it is just such an accessible country. 
Oh, Jessica Fender, thank you so much for that advice. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you coming on the show again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And this is absolutely one of my favorite destinations. So I will talk Iceland anytime. Well, good. I hope you get to go back there again soon. And I want to thank you to our listeners for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herendine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.